His love ran red, amen, on that cross, that blood was shed so that we may have eternal life, so that we may be forgiven of our sins. But it all started that night in a stable where the town was too busy to be concerned with a young pregnant girl, no one knowing that they were unconcerned for the Messiah, for the Savior of the world. No one could make room but one person said, I don't have any room in the inn, but I have a stable. And out in that little stable that evening, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, poor, wrapped him in some swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And how he came from humble beginnings to a magnificent, glorious resurrection out of that tomb. Today we're focusing on love, and I was had this song running in the back of my head. I could hear the beat. I couldn't quite figure out the words. Have you ever had that and you just struggle? Three or four days. And I was going through the house last night, and I just shouted out some words, and Nicole said, what in the world are you talking about? I said, that's it. She said, what? The song. What's love got to do with it? Tina Turner. If I could have got a clip, I, I watched a little bit of that clip of her singing. What's love got to do with it? If you look at the world and you listen to the song that she sings, it's got nothing to do with it. But I'm here to tell you that when we finish today, I think we will leave singing a different tune then what's love got to do with it? And I won't spoil it till we get to the end. But what we've got to do is understand that when we lit the candle this morning of love, I read that the announcement was that there would be a child and his name would be Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Those three little words in that one name wrap up the essence of what the gift of Christmas is. God with us. Let me just read to you before we get to our main scripture today from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us, and God is love, then when the birth came, love entered the world because God is with us. Love is with us. What is the importance of this? I want us to look, and we talk about love, especially come February time, and you hear all this love and all these greeting cards and, and everything of what love is and all that. But I want us to understand today what love is. If God is love, 
Jesus was born and God is with us, so love is with us. And the world gives us one definition, and we usually know that the world is on the opposite side of God. What is this love? And the best way to find out what love is, is by knowing what love is not. And today I want us to look at three things of what love is not, all of them coming from the life of Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus is God with us, and that means Jesus is God's love, and he is dwelling with us, so I want us to look at what love is not. And we understand that when Jesus was born, he came as a baby to that stable in humble means. And that's what I want us to look at today. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. We'll be beginning in verse 3, if you would please stand once you have turned there. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. I want you to listen to these things as we break them down this morning. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look at it for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that very tongue and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, would you help me to step aside, Lord, you feel me this morning with power from Holy Spirit. And Father, each one here, Lord, would you open the eyes of our hearts? Would you open our ears that we can behold through Holy Spirit wonderful things from your word? And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. So to understand what love is, I said we're going to look at three things this morning of what love is not. And the first one that we see in the life of Jesus Christ is love is not selfish. Love is not selfish. When looking up that word selfish, you might find a definition that reads something like this. Having or showing concern only for yourself and not for the needs or feelings of other people. 
The life of Jesus Christ was definitely not a selfish life. You might wonder, why am I choosing this passage and and this subject for a Christmas message? We're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ today. Yes, the birth of Jesus Christ began it all. He's not selfish. We see there at Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, that who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Jesus at his birth probably did one of the most selfless acts ever witnessed by mankind. Think about this. Before he came to earth, Jesus was God. He was the son of God. He was in heaven. He had all the powers of God. And he was around and just circled around by angels. But what happened that night when he came to earth, he came as a mere little baby. He took flesh, we might say, and voluntarily clothed over Himself. He voluntarily decided to not use his divine attributes for himself. Let's look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Jesus was speaking and he said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Love is not selfish. He voluntarily chose to come and be man. Now, let me just clarify this because we read in Scripture about him emptying himself. Jesus was always God. Before his birth, during his birth, during his life and his resurrection, Jesus was always God. He never gave up being God to come to earth. He never gave up anything. What happened is he voluntarily chose to not use his divine attributes. What do I mean by that? He had all the divine attributes. Jesus chose to come to earth and be limited by choice. He fell into the limitations of mankind. Not that he had to, not that he couldn't do anything else, but he chose to stay within those. Let me list a few of those for you. When Jesus left heaven... And he came to earth and he put on flesh. He chose to stay in the confinements of a human realm, which means he could only be in one place at one time. Prior to coming here, God, you know, we have time. God is just there. 
present, past, future. God's future and past are all one. He lives in all at the same time. He could be in many places at one time. Jesus chose to come to earth to be a selfless act where he needed to be able to eat. He had to rest. He had to sleep. Also, he could feel pain. He could bleed. And he could die. These are things that Christ chose to stay in the boundaries of. At any moment, he could have, because he was God, did away with any of that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But because he is selfless and he has love for you and for me, he chose to leave the glory of heaven and come to earth for the purpose of saving all mankind. Not only love is not selfish, but also he took his glory, the magnificent glory of who he was, and when he put flesh over it, he had to because he is so radiant and so glorious that human eyes could not stand to fixate on him. Maybe you've heard these verses over in Matthew chapter 17. Let me read to you these three verses. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him Christ in all of his glory transfigured out but because he was selfless and he wanted to come and associate with you and I he fleshed over this glory he fleshed over this brightness you know it's so great we get another picture of this in Revelation let me just Turn there and you can follow up there on the screen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. John is having this vision. He said, in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I mean, what a selfless act. Come on. If you're like me, if I had that glory, you think I want to cover it up? I want to come and let everybody see it. Probably if it was me, thank God it's not, I would have wanted to stay in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father with angels tending to me and angels glorifying and worshiping me. But no, Jesus chose to come to earth to be born into a poor family where he's coming to save the world, but the world's too busy to even know he's there. He was selfish, selfless. So we see in his life that love is not selfish. But secondly... We see in his life that love is not 
arrogant. Let's look there at Philippians chapter 2 again, verse 8. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know what arrogant is? Having or showing the insulting attitude of people who believe they are better, smarter, or more important than other people. Well, let me just pause here. If anybody ever had the right to be arrogant, it was Jesus Christ. But that's not loving. You see, it says that insulting attitude. Christ didn't have that. Christ is better. Christ is smarter, and he is more important than everyone else. But because he is love, and with his birth, love is with us, according to Scripture, he's not arrogant. He come from being a king, from being the son of the Most High God, and he came to earth to be a servant. You look all through Jesus' life. What do we see all the time? But we see him serving other people. We see him giving of himself to other people. He's always at the need of other people. It's always the other people. It's not about him. You know, he could have come walking by. Hey, I'm the son of God. Yes, thank you. You need to bow down when I walk by. Never saw that. Matters of fact, when uh, the demons were speaking through that girl and she kept saying you're the son of god he told be quiet i mean they were prophesied he was here to be like us he wasn't proud and he wasn't arrogant he was humble means he entered the earth humbly with nothing and he left this earth humbly with nothing he left sitting on the throne of god ruling over people to come to earth to die on a cross. Listen to this from Matthew 26. Matthew 26, beginning of verse 52. This was when Jesus was arrested. And then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will not at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scripture be fulfilled which says that it must happen this way? A legion is about 6,000 troops, so 12 times that 6,000. Jesus wasn't arrogant. When they came to arrest him, and don't think Jesus didn't know what was coming. Don't think he didn't know he's fixing to be beat. He's fixing to have a crown of thorns put on him. He's fixing to be whipped and then have this robe put around him. You know, sometimes I, I, I forget and I don't think about that, but it tells us in Scripture that they beat him and they put that robe on him and then later they took it off. You know what that means? Have you ever had a a little bitty bobo on your finger that bled and you put something on it and a little bit later you ripped it off, what did it do? It just opened that right back up. He knew what was coming. 
Christ for all of eternity, something we can't fathom, has always been with the Father. He knew that coming up in just a little bit for the uh, twinkling of a moment that all the sins of the world would be upon him and his father for that split second would turn his eyes from his son. He knew what was coming. He could have, with all the authority that he had, called to his father and his father would have just went and took him right out. But you see, love isn't arrogant. He wasn't worried about himself. Do you know who he was worried about? You. You. He's worried about me. He's worried about this entire world. He's even worried about those that hate him. He was worried about those that just nailed him on the cross. But not only that, he stayed there. And he wasn't arrogant. Why he was due all the glory of this earth, he was willing to take the insults. At Matthew 27, verse 39, he's hanging on the cross. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priest also along with the scribes and elders were mocking him and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him for he said, I am the son of God. I mean, of all times that it would be right for Jesus to step up and to be arrogant, they're mocking who he is. He's hanging on the cross for them. But yet they're going to mock him. And because he is love and love is not arrogant, he stays right there on that cross. He doesn't hurl abuse back at him. Each of those things that come at him, he would have been justified They said that you're the son of God, save yourself. He could have saved himself. But because he wasn't arrogant, he wasn't conservative, he knew if he'd come off the cross that you and I would die, go to hell, and spend all eternity there. He knew this was the only way. Even though he was the king, he stayed there. They even began to mock him as king. They began to ridicule his father, but he's not arrogant. He takes the insults and he stays on the cross. Not only do we see that love is not selfish, love is not arrogant. This next one, before you click it, took me a long time to think about, and I had to come up with the most philosophical and theological word I could. Love is not stingy. You like that word? Stingy. Love's not stingy. Let's turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Jesus is speaking. 
Actually, I'm beginning verse 5. Verse 7 is what's going to be on the screen. But now I'm going to him. Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, you sorrow has filled your heart. Listen to this. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if, you do, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, because God is love, and love entered the world when Christ was born, we see that love is not stingy. Can you imagine? Here is Jesus. He's come to earth. He's clothed over his glory. He's been selfless all of his life. He wasn't arrogant. He took everything. He went on to the cross. He went into a tomb. Three days later, he come out. You know, he could have been downright stingy and said, I deserve the recognition I'm going to get now. I'm going to stay here on earth with all this vast of people who know who I am now. I finally, in your eyes, I've earned the right to be God. I think I will just stay here and live out the rest of my life as a human amongst you with all these people following me. He would have become a wonderful prophet. He would have had great and mighty and powerful things to say. But love is not stingy, not giving or sharing as little as possible. Maybe we could thank for a great example of the Christmas carol and Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. He was probably one of the most stingy people. A great example until his redemption and his life turned. He wanted everything for him. You know, Jesus could have demanded all of his rights, but Jesus was willing now to have died on the cross, resurrected, and getting ready go to heaven he's going to go back to heaven away from all of these humans that were now ready to glorify him for some why why was he not stingy why did he want to go back to heaven i think in part he was ready to go back but primarily because he knew if he did not return then the holy spirit could not come to us why is it important need to follow this. Why is it important that the Holy Spirit come to us? Because of Christ's selfless act of putting on flesh. Do you remember what I said? He could be at one place at one time. As a born-again believer, God has been born in you through Holy Spirit, and he is with each and every one of us Show a hand. How many of you are glad that Holy Spirit is with you? Amen. He is in us. He protects us. He speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. If Christ wanted to be stingy and stay here, Holy Spirit and come, and probably none of us in here would have ever seen Jesus Christ because there could only be one place. You know, also, if he would have not went to heaven, none of us would be sitting here today because Jesus Christ would have died in his flesh. And we wouldn't know what we know today. He could have stayed on earth. Also, he wasn't stingy 
because he healed people. I love this verse over in Mark chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus is walking through the crowd. Immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself that power proceeded from him, had gone forth, turned around in the crowd, and said, who touched my garments? Christ could have easily said, mm-mm, my power, I'm going to keep it. You're blind, I don't care. You're crippled, I, I don't care. You have a problem bleeding, so what? You won't recognize who I am. Why do I need to do anything for you? But because God is love, God is with us through Emmanuel, his son. His son is love. He healed people. And he even allowed, as the lady walked through, oh, she, she had enough faith. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. That's all she did. She just reached out in faith. She just barely, I can imagine, touched it and then tried to withdraw. Nobody will know. Jesus knew. He wasn't stingy. He shared abundantly. And he chose to go to heaven so that we might have the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you one last thing, very familiar passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I began this morning stating that we're going to look at what love is not. Then remember I shared with you that song by Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? You're fixing to find out. Let's listen closely. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account of wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, 
abide these three, but the greatest of these is, say it with me, love. What's love got to do with it? Here it is, everything. Love is everything. Did you notice we said that Jesus was going to be born? They were going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. Then we read in Scripture, God is love. Then we looked at the life of Jesus. You could then take these descriptions of love and you see the life of Jesus, what he was and what he was not. So to love, may we be in unity in the love of Christ in this Christmas season. May the love abound through us because we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And when he died and we received through faith, God, through Holy Spirit, comes and dwells in us, changes us into a new creation. So how are we to live love? Well, we know love's not, what, selfish. So we need to live a selfless life. The world doesn't teach that. It's difficult. We're ingrained from the beginning of our life that it's all about us. We also see that love is not arrogant. doesn't matter what you have. What's that that we always say? At the foot of the cross, the ground's level. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you have. Don't boast about it. Let God live through you. And we see that love is not stingy. We need to be giving. God gave us the greatest gift ever. Can we not give of ourself to others? This Christmas, let's show what Emmanuel, God with us, is. May you bow your heads. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. Father, wrapped up in that little word is such an amazing abundance. Father, all that we celebrate at Christmas, Lord, even as we use these candles, Father, that love represents the whole circle. It represents the hope because we have hope in your Son. It represents peace because you provide us peace in this world through your son. It represents joy because your son brings joy. Father, it is love. It is you. It's selfless. It's not selfish. It's not arrogant. It's not stingy. Father, the center of our Advent wreath is that Christ candle, Lord. Father, we'll be lighting that, representing the birth of your son. The highlight, the arriving of you with mankind. Father, would you help us to 
truly over these next few days. Stay focused on you, Father, as we're toward the end of our Christmas time and all the last-minute Christmas gifts and parties and everything. Father, while they're great, that's not what Christmas is about. It's about you. It's about what you did that night. It's about your son coming, coming to be our Savior, coming to pay the price for our sins, and coming to be our Lord. Father, you sent him in the humblest means so that anyone could come. Father, I pray, Lord, that all would come. But Father, I know from your word that not all will. Father, I pray today that I would not be a hindrance of someone coming, but I would do everything with every breath that I have to represent your love and try to show as many people to you as I may. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day, this season of Advent, as we're preparing ourselves, Lord, we're now ready to receive your love. Father God, I just pray it all in that powerful and holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.